Welcome to the Beacon Church Podcast. Each week we post a sermon from our last Sunday service so you can catch up, review, or share with your friends. We pray as you listen to this week's episode, you're encouraged and equipped to love God, love people, grow in Christ, and serve the world. Well, good morning, Beacon family. How's everyone doing this morning? All right. As he said, my name is Joel, and I'm so excited and thankful uh, to be here and to share God's word with you. I send my greetings from my family, my wife who couldn't be here, but I want to show you a picture of my family. That's my beautiful wife that I've been married to for over 18 years. I have three beautiful kids, uh, Ava, Joel, and Jessica. Uh, the two ones over here are twins. I also want to take this opportunity to thank the leadership of this house. I want to let you know that you guys have some of the best leaders out there in all of Long Island, Pastor Robert and Trevor and the whole crew. Can we put our hands together for them? Well, I want to dive right in. Today, I want to talk to you about supernatural peace, unity, and partnership. And I'm going to really touch on peace and just kind of uh, maybe touch on some, a little bit of unity and partnership. You know that um, without unity, you can't have peace. And without peace, you can't have unity, uh, a partnership. Without peace, you just can't have unity or peace or partnership. Talking about peace, I want to ask you, when was the last time that you sat back and thought, man, I am really peaceful? We live in a world that is filled with conflict, uncertainty, divisions, deception. Did I not just describe 2020 for you? Peace and unity can often seem uh, beyond our grasp, almost like inconceivable, especially the day and age that we live in. Yet, God commands us to live in unity and peace, and these are actually some of the characteristics Uh, of a follower of Jesus, peace and unity. Um, The Bible does say in John chapter uh, 13 to love one another, that this is how the world will know that we are his disciples, that we love one another. If you don't have any love, you won't have any unity or any peace partnership goes out the window. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 3, I want to show it to you in the screen. It says that make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of of peace. But how can we experience this peace when we are all still recovering from being shattered and being scattered all over the place, especially in 2020? Some of us are still recovering from what is happening. So my hope uh, for you today is that you will discover the importance of who we are in Christ and what he has done for us at the cross That in spite of our circumstances and the chaos around us in the world, Jesus offers to every one of us his supernatural peace, unity, and partnership that goes beyond our understanding and our experience. In other words, it's not circumstantial. I believe that when we understand what I just uh, uh, defined and embrace these gifts that Jesus gives us, Uh, and he makes available that God will be able to fulfill his mission and purpose through every one of us, meaning his body. And today, one of the things that I want to share with you is that your mere circumstantial trust 
in, is too shallow. Like your mere circumstantial trust is too shallow to survive the constant disappointments that life have to offer. That in order for us to thrive in this world and be effective believers, our trust has to be grounded in nothing less than Jesus Christ himself, who is our peace. He is our shalom. And that word shalom in the Bible basically or literally means complete, restored, like nothing missing, nothing broken. That we can have this nothing missing, nothing broken, this wholeness in our lives in spite of what is happening around us. And this word shalom also, does, you know, it refers to um, not only the absence of conflict, but also the presence of something else. Like, you can have chaos around you, but when you have the peace of God and the presence of God, it doesn't really matter. You can thrive in this world in spite of what is happening around you. So, what are some areas uh, that you and I have placed our trust in and have left us void of peace? Stock markets, the government, maybe uh, the healthcare system, right? Maybe relationships. We've had broken relationships. We placed our trust, right, in relationships, and they ended up not working out. Maybe churches. Maybe you, you're seeking for a church, or maybe you were hurt by church, by leadership, and, and you, 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 know, you, you had peace, but now you don't have peace. Maybe your job, your education. These are areas sometimes that we left us void, void of peace. What are some areas that maybe perhaps give us peace? For me, it's food. Food gives me peace. Vacation gives me peace. At times when I'm doing okay, golfing gives me peace. A lot of times I lose my peace. Spending time with my family, making enough money to provide for my family. When I am reaching people for the kingdom of God, that brings some sort of peace in my life. But what are some of the things that threaten our peace? I remember when I was a kid, I used to worry about everything. I didn't have peace about the future when I was a kid, especially when it was about the things that I didn't understand. And as a child, you don't. But now that I'm an adult, I only worry about the things and have no peace about the things that I cannot control. That's me as an adult. As a kid, as a kid I used to worry about getting a license. Don't ask me why. But building a house, like I'm not supposed to build a house, but I was worried about that. <laughs> Providing food for myself, but my parents did. Who I was going to become. The, I used to worry about the evil in the world, not having enough. My parents dying, I used to worry about and, and feeling a sense of loss and abandonment. As an adult, I worry now about the bills. I worry about getting the right job, about finding purpose, about my kids being safe, about not having enough money to get by, not meeting my deadline, people not coming to church. So please come to church because your leaders will lose their peace. Not having enough to teach or something valuable to teach every Sunday. These things sometimes threaten my peace. The reason it's so easy to lose this peace that I just described is because it is circumstantial peace. And, and not having peace is one of the unhealthiest things that you can experience in this life. Lack of peace can uh, lead you to insecurity, feelings of, uh, of lack of safety, uncertain about the future, anxious, depressed, alone, hopeless. Feeling of abandonment. There is no worse feeling than the feeling of abandonment. I remember when my daughter was six years old. She's 15 now. And we were at a mall, the Palisades Mall in West Nyack, New York. And we were at the Reebok store. We're shopping around. And my daughter was six. And she's adventurous. She was going everywhere. The twins were there. They were in the stroller. And she's playing hide and seek in the store. My wife and I are looking at stuff. 
And all of a sudden, my wife, at some point, my wife disappeared. I mean, not my wife, my daughter disappeared. And <laughs> not my wife. Sorry about that. Um, my daughter disappeared. She was looking for us. And she, all I heard from far away, a cry in the middle of the mall, daddy, daddy, mommy, daddy, daddy, mommy, daddy, daddy, mommy. And at that moment, I yelled, Ava. And she heard the sound of my voice, the voice of her father. And at that moment, She ran towards the sound of my voice, and then she jumped at me. She embraced me. I embraced her. I gave her the hug only a father can give. At that moment, she she was crying. She had a deep cry. She felt abandoned, scared, alone. She had lost her peace. She was troubled. She must have thought, my parents have left me. They have forgotten me. But how many of you know that just like our Heavenly Father, I never did. I was there. And the moment that, she, that I embraced her, she experienced that peace all over, and we were united again, peace and unity. See, it's good to know that when we're afraid and we have no peace, that we can trust God. Psalms 56.3 says, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. See, we live in this world. That is constantly changing, promises are broken, people are constantly leaving, whether it's family, relationship, or even death. God's promise, God promises to never leave us. And that's, that's not only encouraging, but that's also empowering to us to know that God never leaves us. Deuteronomy 31 verse 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Sounds good. But what happens when everything you know and everyone you have around you fails you? And what do you do when you have that feeling of abandonment, forgotten, and you have no peace in your life? What happens? Did God fail us? Did he leave us? Or are we holding on to the wrong piece? Maybe perhaps the one that is based on circumstances, goal setting, tasks, achievable things, things that are tangible to us. Maybe that's the type of peace that we're holding on. And when these things are gone, our peace is threatened. So I want us to take a look at a powerful promise that Jesus gives his disciples. Uh, even he gives them a piece about the type of peace that he offers, the type of shalom that he offers, even that we can have this type of peace even in the midst of chaos. Here's the promise. It's found in John chapter 14, verses 27. Look what Jesus says. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Like there's something that I'm going to leave with you, right? There's some unfinished businesses that I'm going to take care of, but I'm going to also give you peace. I do not give you peace as the world gives. Thank you, Jesus. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus is saying, I'm going to leave you, but don't be troubled. You'll be okay. In essence, Jesus is trying to tell them the type of peace that he gives them is one that is going to help them endure everything that comes their way, no matter what it is. And that's also for you. So let me give you a kind of brief explanation and context of what was going on here. This, uh, John chapter 14, and this discourse that he opens up is post uh, the Last Supper. It's post the Last Supper, so it's kind of in between the Last Supper and his arrest, right? 
Um, Jesus had just predicted that Judas was going to betray him, and Peter was going to deny him. This is just the beginning of his teachings and instructions to the disciples that are in the middle of this before they arrest him, before he's crucified, before he dies and resurrects. So this is kind of an in-between. But I want us to take a look this because that was verse 27 when he says, I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to leave you with peace. Don't be troubled. But 26 verses before that statement of peace, he gives them a statement <laughs> that instead of bringing them peace, it probably brought them fear, uncertainty, all at the same time because Jesus was about to leave them. And they began to experience a sense of abandonment. I want you to read it with me. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. It says, do not let your hearts be troubled. This is how he starts the teaching and the instructions. Now, you know that when someone tells you, hey, by the way, don't, don't let your heart be troubled. They're setting you up because they owe you money. You know they're not going to pay you back. You know? You know what I'm talking about? If someone tells you, hey, listen, by the way, don't get mad. They're setting you up. So let your hearts not be troubled. You believe in, in God. Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. And this is the Aramaic word for mon a, which is really um, abiding place. And my father's house has many abiding places, many dwelling places. It's a place of, of abode, which is kind of the same word that he uses. We'll see down the line in John chapter 14, verses 23. He uses the same word. But he says, in my father's house has many dwelling places, rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. This is key. See, three years prior to this statement, sounds good, Jesus has chosen, handpicked every disciple. And, and God, Jesus had asked them to leave their jobs, to leave their families, to leave everything that was familiar to every one of them. And they left everything behind, the disciples, and they followed Jesus. <laughs> Can you imagine that after you left everything for him, he promised to never leave you nor forsake you. He's telling you that he's about to leave you now and for you not to lose your heart. And for you not to be troubled, it's like, buddy, I left everything for you. And three years ago, and now all of a sudden you're leaving us. You said you would never leave us. Of course they were troubled. And later on, when Jesus went to the cross, this is later on, and Jesus died, the disciples, when, when he was crucified, they were shattered because of what had happened. They didn't really understand what was happening. And they were scattered all over the place. And Jesus had predicted that in John chapter 16 and many other verses. See, why did, why did they get scattered and shattered? Because when we experience hardship or uncertainty, it is really easy to forget God and his promises. We got to be honest. Can we be honest? It's hard to focus on God's promises when we're going through this. Three years, um, uh, they had already known Jesus. They had walked with Jesus. They had known this about Jesus, at least, that he was the Messiah, that he was the great shepherd, that he was the one to redeem Israel. They knew that he was the bread of life. He, they knew that he was the light of men. They knew that he was the living water. They knew that he was God-made flesh. They knew he was the promised king. They knew he was the, 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 the sacrificial lamb of God that was going to take away their sins. And that he was not going to leave them. He was going to empower them. 
But it's easy. It's easy to forget the promises and we lose our peace when things that are tangible to us and, and the people that are connected to us, when that becomes threatened. And, and Jesus, that relationship after three years was being threatened for them. But Jesus was not going to leave them for long. This is where I want to focus. Jesus was going to leave them. Yes, you're right. But Jesus was not going to leave them for long. He was going to prepare a place. He told them that where he was in the heavenly father, that they too can be. Now, the disciples argue amongst themselves. You know, they were saying, well, Jesus, where are you going? Tell us where you're going, and that would be enough for us. And even Jesus says, how long have I been with you? You don't even know that if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. I am in the Father, and the Father is, is in me. So I'm preparing a place so that where I am with God, the Father, you may also be. See, Jesus was planning to leave, but he was also preparing gifts that would give us peace. As he's leaving, he's preparing gifts that will give us peace. These gifts were not temporary. They were not weak. They didn't have an expiration date on them. When Jesus went to the cross to die finally for our sins, he not only forgave them or forgave us, he cleansed us. You may know this or may not know this, but he made our bodies, your body and our bodies, his temples, his places of residence. In other words, when you are cleansed and you are forgiven of your sins, your body becomes his abiding place, his dwelling place. Look with me what 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20 says. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Who, whom you have received from God, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. In other words, hey, if you understood what I have done for you and what it cost me for you to live with this supernatural peace and supernatural unity and partnership that I have given you, these gifts, you would honor God with your bodies. Now, this is what I mean by the supernatural unity. We've been talking about peace, but this is what Jesus was telling them, that he was going to unify them, and he was going to make them one with God the Father. John chapter 14, verses 23. There's a lot of verses here. I would encourage you to go back home and read the whole chapter of John 14. There's so much I don't have time to cover today. But look what Jesus says in, in verses 23. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teachings. My Father will love them. And we, this is God saying, we will come to them and make our home. That's the same word that I showed you before um, with them. We will come back to them and we will make our home, our abiding, our dwelling place, we. In other words, uh, what, what Jesus was saying, when I go to the cross, right, I'm going to cleanse you. I'm going to make you uh, a temple. Your body is going to become a dwelling place. And the Father, the Spirit of God, and Jesus, the Son, we're going to make your house, your temple, your body a dwelling place. And we're going to become one. That is supernatural unity. That you are one with God. And this is one of the things that he did for us. He, at the cross and upon Jesus' death and resurrection, Jesus was making, when he's going to the cross, what he was doing, he was making a way back for us to the Father. Because Jesus, at one point in chapter 14, 
when the disciples were all distraught and maybe they're all confused, Jesus, Jesus has said, I'm going to prepare a place. At one point, they're like, okay, well, show us the place or show us, show us the Father. At least show us the Father and we'll be okay. And Jesus says, I am. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way to the Father. No one can come to the Father except through me. So Jesus was saying, when he goes to the cross, he is preparing that place. That place was you and I. He reconciled, as he's going to the cross, he reconciled us back to the Father. And because he reconciled us back to the Father, we can have now relationship with him. We have now peace with God. This is not circumstantial peace. This is not the peace of the world. This is now peace with God because we, we were enemies, the Bible says, uh, with God. Because of our sin, it separated us. But because Jesus' redemption and work on the cross, now we have peace with God the Father. He gave us the gift of proximity. We are, can become now one with God. This is one of the things that Jesus was talking about when he says, hey, I want you to be where I am. The Father and I are one. He was talking about proximity. You know, he was not saying like, he was not trying to confuse us. Like, hey, right now I'm Jesus and then, and then tomorrow I'm God, I'm God the Father and then tomorrow I'm the Holy Spirit. No, he says we're one. Our unity, we're, we're, we're one and we're making room for you. We're, we're making room so that you can be close to the Father. You can have relationship. It's the gift of proximity. He gave us, when he went to the cross and he died for us, he also gave us the gift of, of, of sending us the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the helper, the teacher. We are now, he abides inside of every one of us. So that's unity. That's supernatural unity. He also gave us eternal life, his eternal word. And we see that in verse 17. He, um, and many, many other gifts that I don't have the time to describe. But because of what Jesus did on the cross for every one of us, we can experience peace. Peace about our future. Because it's not circumstantial. It has nothing to do with what is happening around the world. It has everything to do with what he did on the cross for you and I. So Jesus, when he leaves, he's leaving us really for three days, in essence, to the disciple. He leaves them for three days. He dies, he's buried, and then he's back. He's back. He's resurrected. He's resurrected king, right? So he did not leave us abandoned. He was coming back. He fulfilled his promise. This is why when in verse 27, when he says, I, I leave you peace. He says, I leave you peace. Well, how did he leave us peace? By finishing the work of redemption in the cross. Like, I'm not going to leave unfinished business. I, I got to leave you for a little bit. I got to finish the work. Are you with me? And how did he give us peace? He left us peace, but now he gave us peace by not leaving us orphans, but by adopting us as children. You see that in verse 18, by giving us the Holy Spirit to indwell us. And to remind us of everything that Jesus had eventually said. He, in other words, he would continue Christ, the Holy Spirit would continue Christ's presence in our lives until he finally returns for all of us. He did not leave us alone. He left us his presence. He left us the Holy Spirit. And we are one with him. And until Jesus returns, let me tell you that until Jesus returned, he also told us that to occupy until he comes. In other words, to, hey, while you're on earth, you got to teach 
you got to preach the gospel. You got to make disciples because we got to reach the world with the, with the gospel, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, he empowered us as his representatives on earth to, so that we, not like we, but so that he can fulfill his ultimate mission on earth through every one of us. That includes everyone that is in this place, from the adults to the children. God wants to use every one of us to fulfill his mission. He said, this is, this is what I call the supernatural partnership, right? We talked about supernatural peace, supernatural unity, and the supernatural partnership. That even though when he left us, he, he gave us the Holy Spirit, he made us one with, like, uh, with them, and they abide inside of us, he cleansed our temples and now we have peace with God. We're united with him. He says, now, I'm not just leaving you in the world without power, without any of this. I'm not expecting you to fulfill the mission, but I'm going to empower you. So look what he tells us in, in John chapter 14, verses 12. And a lot of you may be familiar with this scripture. He says, verily, truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things or greater works than these because I am going to the Father. How can this be? How can we do greater works than Jesus? How can we? I mean, unless you can resurrect the dead, then you let me know that you can do a greater work than Jesus. But how can we do greater works? He said you will do greater works. So that because I am going to the Father, and the key is here. He said, I am going to the Father. He was going to prepare places, rooms, uh, dwelling places, which was speaking about every one of us. Why? How can this be? Because uh, he, uh, he left us with, uh, with peace with God. So we're justified, the Bible says, by faith through Jesus Christ. We have peace with God now, so that's how he can do greater works through us. Um, he brought unity with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now we're one. I'm just repeating what I mentioned before so that you can understand how we can do greater works. And now we can be in partnership with God. It's a supernatural partnership that he gave us his power. He gave us his word, his knowledge, and he gave us his presence. Uh, and the Bible says we are heirs and co-heirs with Jesus Christ. That he will, wherever we go, he's now with us. So as Jesus is ascending to heaven, as Jesus, uh, you know, he finished the work of the cross, he's like, hey, I'm going to go to the right hand of the Father, but you're not going to be alone. I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. You're going to become one with God. You're going to have supernatural peace because I have overcome the world. In other words, don't lose heart. Don't lose your peace. It has nothing to do with what is happening around you. It has everything to do with the finished work of Jesus. It is finished. I finished the work so that you can be my representatives everywhere you go. You see, when Jesus was on earth, I know this sometimes is hard to understand, but when Jesus was on earth, he was, if he was in Jerusalem, he just couldn't be, uh, where are we? Is this, this is not Mineola. I'm sorry. I apologize if this is Mineola. Where is this? Alberton. Jesus, if Jesus was in Jerusalem, he couldn't be in Alberton at the same time. Right? But at the cross, at the cross, he, made to, he, he created dwelling places, temples, cleansed us. So that everywhere there is a believer that says, I put my faith and trust in the work of Jesus Christ. 
we, that person becomes a redeemed person, and the, that person dwells the Holy Spirit. The power of God is in that person. The presence of God, the knowledge of God, the words of God in that, in that person. So God fulfills his mission throughout the world with his presence, with his knowledge, and with his power everywhere through his body. That means every one of us. And maybe some of you guys have said to yourselves, man, I don't know if I'm... If I, if I can, God can fulfill his mission and call in my life. I want to let you know that Philippians chapter 1 verses 6 says, Being confident in this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it unto completion until the day of Jesus Christ. This is why God wants everyone to experience his peace. Because his peace is eternal. It is not circumstantial like the, like, like the world gives us peace. Now, I'm not by any means saying and trying to be insensitive that, that you're not going to have trouble if you're resting in God's peace and his work. Having God's peace does not mean that uh, you have in the absence of trouble or that you have the absence of pain or you have the absence of difficulty, security, anxiety, or depression. It doesn't mean that. Peace is not the absence of conflict. I want you to understand. Peace is not the absence of conflict or trouble, but it's the presence of Jesus in our lives that brings certainty about the future, that the work is complete, that we are safe in his arms, that he is indwelling every one of us who have placed our trust in Jesus. And this is good news. That is supernatural peace that we can hold on to, to that unity that he brought and that partnership that he offers to do his work. This is why we focus on not the world, not the government, not this, not any other things that are circumstantial. But we gaze and we fix our eyes on Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. And I want to kind of finish with these two verses. It says, let us fix our eyes on who? On Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. That was a joy. Scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, Jesus overcame the world. He conquered death and hell. So peace, true peace, supernatural peace, is resting in his victory for us. Resting in his victory for us. Because of the peace, we are able to stand before God today and fulfill his mission on earth. The last scripture that I want to uh, read to you is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an external glory that far outweighs them all. So fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Through the work of Jesus Christ, he gives us supernatural peace. We're united with him, which is supernatural, and we have a supernatural partnership with God to do and fulfill his mission on this earth. Every one of us is invited to be part of that and to receive these gifts. Can I pray for you? Father, I want to thank you for what you're doing here at Beacon Church, in the Beacon family, Lord. 
Lord, there are so many people that have not yet heard the good news of Jesus. They have no peace. And the peace that they have is circumstantial. It's not the peace, the eternal peace that you give us. So I pr pray that even today, here and those that are watching online, that they may receive supernatural peace and understand that they have been united with God our Father. And we are now, we have peace to have relationship with him. And we can come boldly to the throne of grace. And we can be confident that you're going to finish the work that you started with us. And we can be in, in a supernatural partnership to fill this earth with the love of Jesus and with the peace of God. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. We love you. If you enjoyed the sermon, want to learn more about Jesus, or get to know our community, please visit beacon.church to get connected. We would love to hear from you.